we're just so grateful. I do want to tag on to something that we mentioned in the video, and it's just this idea of small groups launching back. And we believe that one of the best ways to grow is to be connected in a small group in relationship where you learn from God's word and you do life together. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up yet, you can do that through the church app. You can head out to the table in the lobby. There's a lot of groups that you can pick from. But at the same time, I realize we have grown as a church and there are more opportunities than ever for people to say, I want to start a small group. And so I just want to throw that out there. There's some of you that are sitting here today or watching online that are like, man, I, maybe I, I'm not ready to lead a group, but I've got space to host it. I could have uh, a couple of times a month in my home, or I could uh, grab the, the local coffee shop on a morning uh, throughout the week, or I've, I've got a, a conference room at work, or some, some of you have the space for it that you'd be willing to host it. You're like, man, I, I'd be willing to host it. There's others of you that you love to teach, or you like to facilitate conversation. You're like, man, I, I could do that, but I don't have the space. Or there's some of you that are like Danny over here that have the spiritual gift of cooking and baking. You're like, I, I, I'm not sure about the hosting part or the, the teaching part, but I'm going to make sure everybody is well-fed. And we thank you for your ministry, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of ways to help make a small group happen. Some of you are like my wife who would say, I don't necessarily want to teach it every week, but she's got the spiritual gift of being the life of the party. You know what I'm talking about? She'll walk in the room and she'll, right, if there's not a party, one's going to break out. And so I just want to encourage you. We've got a slide we're going to put up that if you are open to hosting a group, or you're open to help facilitate discussion, or if you're open to say, hey, I, I can help plan and pull stuff together, I wanna encourage you to text the word group to our number, 770-749-7559. And it's just a simple name and email address. And so if you're interested in helping be part of a group that is brand new, so whether you're one of those positions I mentioned, or you're just like, man, I wanna sign up and, uh, and be part of one, I wanna encourage you to text that number today We'd love to help connect more people to be part of small groups. But today, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to pull it out and find 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you have a Bible or the Bible app, you can follow along with that. But today, we're, we're teaching on this idea of gray areas. I don't know about you, but it seems like there's a lot of gray areas in the world we live in. And here's what I mean by that. I know a lot of us use apps now, so maybe the idea of it being in print or being in black and white isn't as, uh, as use, normal as it used to be. But there's some things that are black and white in print in scripture. You know what I'm talking about? There are some things that you just know. You just know that there's a verse, there's a chapter, there's, a, there's something you can quote when you're asking the question, should I do this thing? There are some things that are in black and white and they're just clearly spelled out. But would you agree with me? There's a lot of things that are what I would call the gray area. There are a lot of parts of our life that we navigate, whether you're in the workforce, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a mama at home, whether you're retired, there are a lot of parts of our lives that we, that we navigate that aren't necessarily obviously right. They're not necessarily obviously wrong. They're somewhere in the middle. They're somewhere in the gray. And the question is, how do you know what the right thing to do is? I mean, have you been there where you're in the middle of making a decision? And especially in the culture we're living in today, with all the stuff that we've lived through recently, there's a lot of options in front of us. There's a lot of directions we could do. There's a jobs that we could take or not take. There's relationships we could pursue or not pursue. There's business deals that we could do or not do. There's social things. There's relational. There's a lot of things we could do. And the question is, how do you know in the middle of that? When it's not obvious what direction to go, when it's not clear what direction to go, when it's not black and white of what direction to go, how do you handle those things? Is there a way to navigate the gray in a way that honors God? And if you've ever felt that tension, I think there's a little bit of what Paul was writing about in 1 Corinthians. If you don't know a lot about the city of Corinth, I would encourage you to do a little Google search and do a little history search on it. But Corinth was this the city that was a melting pot of all kinds of beliefs. In fact, what happened in Corinth is there was all of these, these false places of worship set up to all of these false gods. And so there, there was a city that worshiped a bunch of different stuff. And in the midst of that culture of craziness and drama and uh, this, this, all of these beliefs coming together, what began to happen is a pocket of 
young believers begin to come to the surface, people that have trusted Jesus, people that have accepted his call in their life, that have accepted his free gift, and they begin to try to figure out, how do I follow Jesus in the middle of this world? How do I follow Jesus when there's all this worship going on to false gods, there's all this stuff going on around me? What does it look like to live for Christ in the middle of a crazy world? And I think that's a bit of the tension we live with. I mean, how, how do you honor God in the middle of craziness? How do you, how, is there a compass? Is there some sort of navigation? Is there something that points true north? And what I'm so grateful for is in scripture, God gives us that. And what happens in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 6 through the end of chapter 10, there's this argument or there's this theme where Paul's writing to people. Apparently, they were polarized. Apparently, there were some believers that were so young in their faith that anything that didn't look right to them caused their faith to waver. Right? So they're new in their faith. They're not very established yet. And so they would see stuff going on around them. And they would see another person that was a believer that was maybe a little bit further along. But something that that firmer believer did caused this person to struggle. So on one end, you've got people that are, easy, that, that are sort of fragile in their faith. On the other end of the spectrum, you had some people that were pretty robust in their faith, but they took it to this extreme that said, hey, I can do whatever I want to. Hey, I'm in Christ, I'm a new person. I've got freedom, 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 freedom. I can do whatever I want to. And so you had people on polar ends of the spectrum. And so what Paul begins to do is he begins to write to them and he begins to try to help them to grow up. And what he does is instead of giving them a bunch of rules, which I'm grateful he doesn't do because uh, there's no way you could have a rule for everything. If God were to give us a rule for everything, our Bibles would be as big as this room, if not bigger. And then some of the rules wouldn't even make sense because a rule that made sense in first century wouldn't make sense today. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like if God made a rule that said, thou shalt not eat chalupas from Taco Bell, that wouldn't apply to all generations. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how my illustrations always come back to food and mostly Mexican food, but you're tracking with me, right? And so instead of giving us rules for everything, he gives us principles. And what I love about principles is principles apply no matter what generation you live in. Principles apply whether you live in the South, if you're watching from South Africa today, principles come above circumstance and give us a way of navigating the gray. And so what I wanna do to you this, this morning is I wanna show you some snapshots of Paul's encouragement to the church of Corinth. And then I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how I've wrestled with it in my own life. And then I'm just gonna ask you to do the same thing. Would God have you wrestle with the gray? If you don't mind, if you're able to, would you stand with me as we read scripture this morning and we see what God has to say in the middle of the gray areas. And, and you can follow along on the screens as well if you don't have it in front of you. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul is using this argument that they've been saying in their day. And he says in chapter 6, verse 12, all things are permitted for me, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And if you fast forward a little bit to 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 13, he says, therefore, and we'll talk about what he means by this. Therefore, if food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to sin. Then you fast forward a little bit to chapter 10. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. He says, all things are permitted, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted, but not all things build people up. And then he closes chapter 10 in verse 31. And he says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. And then in verse 33, he says, just as I also please everyone in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of the many so that they may be saved. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help all of us, myself included, as we navigate the gray to have a direction, a GPS in our life that comes from your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated. So in the midst of this sort of, section of scripture, Paul gives us some principles that come to the surface. So if you're a note taker, I'd invite you to write them down or they're within the app as well. But the first principle, number one, when we're navigating the gray areas and we're asking God, is there a principle? Is there something that can help guide me? Something that can cut through the ambiguity? The first one is this, number one, 
does it overpower the priority of my life? Does it overpower the priority of my life? So when Paul's writing, and again, he's writing to mostly young believers. So that's, that's, that's really his audience. And so today this message is primarily for those that would say, I'm following Christ. And so as we follow Christ, here's what he says in verse 12. He says, all things are permitted. So he's quoting them. This was like an argument of their day. There was those believers that said, well, I can do anything. I, I, I've got freedom. I'm, I'm liberated. I, I can do whatever I want to. And Paul says, yeah, 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 yeah. All things are permitted, but not all things are of benefit. And when I sort of double clicked that word in my studies this week, that word benefit is the same word, like in the original language of Greek, it's the word that we get the idea of a journey, the idea of an expedition, the idea that we're all going somewhere. So as Paul's writing, he's reminding them, look, there's a lot of things that you could do. There's a lot of things, and we could rattle those off today. In fact, if you're watching online, you could drop it in the comments. There's a lot of things that we could do, but just because we could do them doesn't mean that we actually should do them, right? Just because I can doesn't necessarily mean I should. And Paul's litmus test is, is it going to get you to the destination you were designed to get to? In other words, there's something God has for you or as we would say it in student ministry, God has a best for our life. We wanna discover and live his best. And so the question is not can I do that thing, not would I get away with that thing, not is everybody else doing that thing, but is it gonna get me where I'm trying to go? And so what I believe is that in all of our lives, there's a preferred destination. Especially if you're a believer, there's something God has for us. At, at the end of the day, the thing that's true for all of us is that God wants all of us to know him personally. And at the end of the day, that as we know him, he wants us to become more like him. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Is, is being a Christ follower doesn't mean, well, I just attend church or I try to do good things. Those are all fine. But to be a Christ follower says, I want to become like him. And the idea is the longer we live, the more like him we would become. And so one great way to cut through the great is, is what I'm about to do gonna help me to become more like him? Is it gonna help me to get to that destination? Another way to think about it is that all of our lives are made up of different parts of our lives. And so for me, I, I've been married for over 10 years now. And so there's a preferred destination of our marriage. What do we want our marriage to look like when we're old and gray and I have the walker with the tennis balls on them? What do I want that to look like? Is this decision gonna help me get to that destination? Or I don't mean to be heavy for the moment, but just the thought of that one day, the one thing that we're assured of is that one day, all of us are gonna leave this earth. And the question is, on, on that day when there's probably just four or five people gathered around our beds, what stories do we want them to tell about us? What kind of life do they want to describe? And I know that that, that may sound heavy, but that's a destination for all of us. And so the question is, when I'm making a decision today, is it gonna get me to that destination? Let me give you another example at work. Where are you going with your work? What's the destination? And so the principle is know where you're going and then ask the question is what I'm about to do going to help me live out that priority? It's going to help me to be a better husband. Is it going to help me to be a better friend? Is it going to help me to be a better employee? Whatever that thing is, will it overpower the priority? What's interesting is when Paul's writing this, this section, it's almost like every section he takes on a, a struggle that they were having in their day. And in this particular section, the struggle apparently has to do around sexual immorality because what happened is all of these false temples were set up to false worship, to false gods. And part of the false worship was that these temples had prostitutes. They had temple prostitutes. And so literally in, in their age, part of false worship was, was participating with these, these prostitutes at the temple. And so these early believers are like, what do, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And Paul's like, flee sexual immorality, flee anything that would hurt the relationship that God's created you for. And so that principle is true for sex, it's true for jobs, it's true for the end of our lives, whatever it may be, is what I'm about to do gonna overpower the priority of who God wants me to be. Does that make sense? It's a principle. It's what I'm about to do. Is it gonna overpower? And here's another way to ask the question. Is what I'm about to do gonna get me to my destination 
or is it going to become a distraction? Is it going to get me to my destination or is it going to become a distraction? I remember the first time I had a GPS unit. You remember when you had to buy them separately and suction cup them to the window and all those things. I remember when I had my first GPS. I was living here in Georgia, but I have a friend that was getting married back in Mississippi in Starkville. And I, I grew up in Mississippi, but I didn't spend much time in Starkville. And so I punched in the address and the GPS system. And I was on my way from Georgia to, uh, to Starkville, Mississippi. And somewhere on the way, I got off the interstate and you know, filled up all that stuff. And when I went to get back on, it was one of those, you know, most of them are straightforward. You get off and you get back on, but some of them have the weird, like curly cue thing. And it doesn't make sense. It's not, not the normal. And so when I got back on the interstate, I got on going the wrong direction. And so the GPS started yelling at me. It started making a U-turn, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. Well, I'm thinking this thing's a piece of junk. It's new. You know, I know where I'm going. So I did what every guy does. I turned it off and I kept driving. <laughs> That's the laugh of truth. Rick makes a living by driving every day. So you know what I'm talking about. And so I, I, I wish I remember what exit it was, but it, it's been long enough. Somewhere around Mobile, I think. But I, I turned it off. I kept driving, driving. And like, an, yeah, probably so. And like an hour or so later, I'd noticed that none of the mile marker signs say anything about Mississippi on them. I was going the wrong direction. And I think sometimes we live our lives that way. We have a vague sense of where we wanna go, but we're not really sure. And because of all the gray around us, we end up going the opposite direction. Or maybe even more dangerous than the opposite direction is sorta of in the right direction, but not really where we think I'm sort of on track and we end up at the wrong destination. So principle number one will overpower the priority. Here's principle number two, if you're notes, principle number two is, is the outcome positive? Is the outcome gonna be positive? In other words, if I were to play this decision out, if I were to fast forward this decision into the future, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, what's the outcome gonna be? In other words, decisions rarely are neutral. There are some things that probably God just says, do what you want to with it. But there's other things, there's a lot of things that are going to lead us somewhere. Listen to what he says in chapter 8, verse 13. So a little bit of the background, he says in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 13, he says, Therefore, if food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again. Any vegans in the house today? Anybody? He says, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to sin. You're like, what's the deal with that? What, what's he talking about? Well, another part of false worship is they would offer animal sacrifices to the false gods. And so th these early believers are trying to figure out what I do because apparently what would happen is they would offer animal sacrifices to the false gods. And so what it would mean is whatever animal it was, it had to be a really good animal for it to be worthy to be the sacrifice. And then they would sacrifice it. And then after they were done, the question is, well, what do you do with the meat after you finish doing it? And so there, apparently the early believers were divided on this. There's some of the younger believers that saw that meat kind of in a, a mystic or superstitious way. When they saw that meat, they're like, man, that was used in false worship. So maybe there's some demons attached to it. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's some, some version of that false God. So we can't eat that because if I had to eat it, it'd be like me bringing that demon into my life. So that apparently was some of the young believers. They're like, man, there's something spooky about that meat. I can't eat it. And then there were some Christians on the other end of the spectrum that I would call the thrifty ones. You know what I'm talking about? Any thrifty folks in here or couponers in the room? And so I, I think um, there are some believers that because the meat was offered to in a sacrifice, when it got resold, it was sold cheaper, right? It's like secondhand meat, which is kind of creepy to me in general, but you know what I'm talking about. And so in their mind, they're thinking, man, it's the best cut of meat because it was off, you know, it had to be worthy sacrifice. So it's the best cut of meat. And because it was used for a sacrifice, it's now cheap meat. And so they're like, cheap meat, let me pray about it. Yes. And you're right. And so you got this divided kind of community. I'm sort of boiling it down, but you get what I'm saying. There's this divided, hey, if I eat it, I'm bringing evil stuff into my life. Or if I buy it, I'm actually being a good steward of my money. And so you've got this divided thing. And here's what Paul says. As Paul's writing to this crowd, he says, but if food, if there's a younger believer watching me eat something, even if I don't believe there's anything spooky, 
about that meat. Even if I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If there's a younger believer that by seeing me eat it would cause them to sin, I will never eat meat again. And so Paul's putting other people first. Instead of saying, well, I can do whatever I want to. I'm free. I, I can do whatever I want to. Uh, forget them. They, they just need to grow up. Instead of demanding his right, he says, look, if, if what I do causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to sin. He's putting other people first. And I think in a similar way that they wrestled with it, we wrestled with it, our gravitational pull is towards what's in it for me. Am I gonna like it? Is it my deal? Is it my style? Is it my, and we just go down this list where we're looking out for ourselves. And Paul is saying, man, look out for other people. Does that make sense? In other words, if I do this thing, is the outcome gonna be positive? Because here's the thing that we wrestle with we can either be a stepping stone for somebody coming closer to God and growing up, or we can unintentionally become a stumbling block. Is what I'm about to do gonna be a stepping stone that helps people grow and it helps them have a more robust faith and helps them follow Jesus at a deeper level, or am I, is what I'm about to do become a stumbling block? Now, I'll, I'll tell you how I've wrestled with this. This is gonna be different for you. For them, they're talking about meat and they're talking about meat sacrificed to an idol. And my guess is that's not the culture you're living in today, is it? I don't think so. For me, one of the areas I've wrestled with this is my own personal view of alcohol. Sometimes people will ask me, well, what do you think about it? And honestly, 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 I don't judge anybody. I, don't, I, 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 I grew up in a culture that said, you know, you shouldn't drink. And so I grew up in that. And then as I became a young adult, I started wrestling with what's my view on it? What's my view on it? And honestly, I, I don't judge anybody that does, but here's what has really colored my view of it is there's been probably five or six family members in my family that have had disastrous lives because of addictions to alcohol they had. Two of my family members passed away at a really young age because of it. And so for me, I grew up just seeing the aftermath of it. And, and, you know, sometimes people think, well, you know, well, Bobby, you can probably drink in moderation. Let me just be, can I be honest with you? I don't know how good I would be at moderation. And here's a silly example of it. This weekend, my family's in town. And so I swung by Five Daughters Bakery in Atlanta this weekend. If you've never heard of Five Daughters Bakery, do yourself a favor, go to Ponce and uh, spend $4.95 a donut. You're like, $4.95 a donut? I'm telling you, it is so worth it. They're like, uh, they're made out of croissant dough, so they have like 100 layers in them, and then they're infused, stuffed with the icing, and man, bring me a salted, a chocolate salted uh, sea salt donut. Man, I, and so, here, so I bought all these donuts. I'm like doing the calculations, one for each person. And so I only bought one for me. So I'm trying to practice moderation on my, my donut addiction. And so I get home, I have my one donut. And then as the day goes on and my family isn't taking the bait on trying these amazing donuts, I'm thinking, man, I paid $4.95 for those donuts. They are not going to waste. I was afraid of overnight, they're not gonna be good. And so I went from one to two donuts. And then by the end of the night, I had three. Pray for your pastor. My belt may be a little, a notch looser today. I'm not, I'm just saying. So, you know, I get, I don't know personally what I would do in moderation. But I'm not really specifically talking about alcohol today. I'm talking about whatever that thing is for you. For me, uh, when I'm traveling and I go eat at a restaurant, a lot of times if you're by yourself, they'll, they'll say, well, would you like to sit at the bar? And technically I'd be cool with that. Like I'd, I'm cool with getting in and out. I'm low maintenance, I, I, I'm fine. But there is something I run through the filter of my life. If that were to happen and I'm sitting at the bar, even if I'm just having my uh, boring Coke Zero, but your kid walked in and saw me there, it runs through my mind, is me even being close to this, a stepping stone or a stumbling block? Are you tracking with me? Again, I'm not, I, I, no, no judgment for me. I, I'm just saying whatever that thing is for you, 
to put, is that perspective helpful to say, is what I'm about to do, does it overpower the priority? Is the outcome gonna be positive? In fact, here's some questions I would encourage you to maybe take a picture of and maybe process. Here's some things that I begin to think through in my own mind when I'm talking to somebody that's younger in faith or maybe doesn't have robust faith like I'm thinking of right now, is what do they know? What do they know? Where are they coming from? What, What is the foundation that they're coming from? Question number two, what do they believe? What is it they believe? Some people have really strong beliefs, but I ask this third question, why do they believe it? Sometimes our beliefs are totally scriptural, foundational. Honestly, there's some things that I figured out that I believe that were actually just cultural and and not, so just knowing that is helpful. And then the last question there is where are they weak? In other words, is there an area that might cause them to stumble? And it's just a helpful framework for me to instead of putting myself first, well, I can do whatever I want to. I'm gonna have 15 donuts today. God bless you, right? It it helps me put other people first. So question number one, what overpower the priority? Question number two, is the outcome positive? Question number three is, is there opportunity to progress? Is there opportunity to progress? This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, where he says, all things are permitted. Look, I can do whatever I want to, but not all things are of benefit. They're not gonna get me to my destination. All things are permitted. Look at the last part of this phrase. All things are permitted, but not all things, here's the last phrase, build people up build people up. The Bible teaches there's two things that are going to last forever. God's word and the souls of people. We're in the people business, right? We, people. And so Paul's writing to these people that are you know, they're tempted to look out for themselves. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. It's about me, 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 my preference, my preference, my preference. If there's ever been a season that we felt that, I think we'd agree it's been this season where, where everybody is just so vocal and everybody's so angry. And, and you've got people on all ends of the spectrum. They're like, man, if you don't wear a mask, you're the Antichrist. If you are wearing a mask, you're the Antichrist. If you don't talk about mask, you're the Antichrist. And if Bobby talks about a mask one more Sunday... or whatever it may be, vaccines, no vaccines, trust, or faith over fear, or what, follow the science. You, you could just go, and I'm not trying to poke it, I'm just saying, this is, this is real, this is where we're living. And sometimes we're tempted just to go off, go off, go off, go off, and here's what Paul says, all things are permitted, but not all things build people up. That word build is the word that we get um, to edify from. Edify is a shortened version of the word edifice. I was on a tour one time in a foreign city and they said, check out this amazing edifice. And I was like, let me Google the word edifice real quick. I don't know what you're talking about. And it means to build something amazing. And so as Paul is talking, he's saying, man, there are some things that build up people. There are some things that help them grow in their faith. There's some things that help them become who all that God's created them to be. But at the same time, there's some things that tear them down. And what I've noticed, even of my good believing friends, is that if we're not careful, we'll try to make a point instead of help people grow. We'll try to lob something out there and show how much we know. And if we're not careful, instead of building people up, we end up tearing them down. Does that make sense? So that's the question is, is this decision going to build people up or is it going to tear them down? Another way to ask a similar question is, what can I do to help in this moment? What can I do in this situation to be light in this moment? In this friendship, how can I build people up? In this work environment, how can I build people up? My spouse, how can I build people up? That we would recognize that all of us can help build people up. And then the last principle is number four. Will this open people to God's presence? I love that. You know, the word Christian wasn't something that was originally used to talk about people that follow Jesus. Christian means little Christ. It means people that want to imitate him and become like him. But it became a a label that sometimes people use it as, well, of course I'm a Christian, 
But the great litmus test is, am I walking with Jesus daily? Am I trying to become like Jesus daily? And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. He says, therefore, whatever you do. And so for him, he uses the examples that he used. He says, whether you eat or drink, and you can plug in there, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether it's to go to the, the office every day, whether it's to hang out at Applebee's after work, whether it's to date or not date, whether it's the dating apps or not dating apps, it's whatever you do, the movies that you watch, the TV shows that you watch, the kind of clothes that you wear, whatever you do, the kind of car that you drive, the things you do on the weekends, the jokes that you joke about, the things that you get serious, whatever you do, he says, do all things, verse 31, for the glory of God. In other words, treat everything that you do as a way of making a big deal about God. And then in verse 33, he closes it this way. He says, I also please everyone in all things. In other words, Paul morphs, he adapts, he, 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 he shapes himself based on who he's around in a good way. And the reason why he does that, he says, I'm not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many. Why? So that they may be saved. In other words, Paul quit trying to win an argument and he started to try to be the light of God in his culture. Can you imagine what that would feel like if everybody that said, I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna become like Jesus, I wanna live the Jesus way. Can you imagine what that would be like that instead of always looking out for our own interests, and said, I'm gonna put the interest of others first. Instead of saying, man, I can do anything I want to, man, I can, everybody else is doing it. I can ask for forgiveness later and it's not that big of a deal that, can you imagine what that would look like for us to say, but I'm going to, whatever I do, I'm going to make sure it glorifies God. Can you imagine how different our world would be if we said, instead of looking out for my own interests, I'm going to look out for the interests of others like Jesus models and what Philippians chapter two teaches us. What would happen if we lived in such a way so that they may be saved? One way that I ask this question is, what am I about to do gonna help draw people closer to Jesus or push them further away? And I just wanna encourage you today that in the midst of a world that's gray, in the midst of the world where there's all these options and all these things we could do that just because we could do it doesn't mean we should. And can you imagine if we would take the principles of God's word and say, God, as best as I can, God, as best as I can, as best as I can, would you help me? Would you help me to know what the priority is and not overpower it? Would you help me to have a positive result that I would help people take steps towards you? God, would you help me to be the kind of person that builds up and not tears down? And God, if it would please you, would you use my life to help more people come to know you? How powerful would that be? And so I love, there's not a lot of rules in here, but there's some principles. And man, in a similar way that I've been wrestling with them, I wanna encourage you, would you wrestle with them for yourself? Would you plug in, what are those gray areas you're wrestling in? Yours are probably different than mine, but what are they and what would God have you to do? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? I'd love to pray for us before we head out. Even if you're watching online, I'd love for you to pray with us. And the thing that I would say as we pray is that the place that all of this journey begins is it starts with a relationship with Jesus. And so if there's never been a moment that you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if there's never been a moment that you've asked him to save you and rescue you, I would encourage you, that's step one. That's, that's where this whole journey begins. And so for you, I would encourage you to, to do what, what Paul said in Acts chapter 16, verse 31. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And so for some of you, maybe that's first step to just pray in your head and your heart, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know my sin separates me from you, but I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me and save me. Just tell, you can use your own words for that. Jesus, would you save me? And if you pray that today, I'd love for you to drop us a note this week at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. We'd love to encourage you and give you some resources to help those first steps. But for the many of you that are, would say, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a believer, maybe there's something even now that you wanna bring before God. Maybe there's a gray area. Maybe there's some area that you've been sort of tiptoeing around. Would you just bring that to him this morning? 
you don't have to necessarily solve it right now, but to bring it to him and say, Jesus, would you help me? Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me to know what's the right thing to do? Because it's not necessarily obvious right now. God, would you help me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of today and the hope that you give us that we don't have to walk this journey alone, that you place your spirit within us to guide us and to guard us. And so I pray for all of us that you would help us to be in sync with you. And that God, when we're tempted to put ourselves first, that you'd help us to step back and put the needs of others first and that we'd follow your footsteps and point many people to you. Heavenly Father, we give this day to you. We pray that you'd help us in moments of uncertainty to have a clear direction. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me right before we head out? I'm gonna ask Pastor Zach and the team to remind us of this and to sing this over us. And I do wanna invite you next Sunday, Pastor Chuck is kicking off a brand new three-part teaching series through an Old Testament, get this, it's a three-part teaching through the book of Zephaniah. I have never heard a sermon from Zephaniah. So I can't wait, I can't wait. And so I wanna encourage you to be here and be locked and loaded, ready for that. And secondly, I, I wanna encourage you to bring a friend with you, invite somebody. If you watch online, consider sharing this to your timeline and invite people that way. If you're here in the room, man, invite, bring somebody with you. I got to meet a few new families today because somebody brought them. I wanna encourage you to invite somebody, bring them to a place that they can hear hope in Jesus. But let's sing this out before we head out. We love you guys, I'm so grateful. Let's sing this out. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a great rest of your week.